Hello to the lovely listeners of Roche Court Podcast. My name is Cameron. I'm Lucas. I'm Charlotte. And we're interviewing Fernando Casasampero today. So, Fernando, how are you? Start I'm off. very well, thank you. I'm very grateful you're coming here and you're interested in my work. Yes. Very glad. <laughs> um, we're going to start with some gentle questions rather than going straight into all of the serious business. Just okay. to ease it in. Um, so, first of all, are you a coffee or a tea person? Coffee. Coffee, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Is that something which you've had for since your youth, you know, growing up in uh, Chile? I, I guess so, yes, yes. And, uh, it's a better reaction for me, the coffee, you know. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> Very good, good. Nice. Well, leading on from that, what would you say your go-to breakfast would be? For me, breakfast, what means? I think it's the... I always say it's the most important time of my day. I feel very lucky because means I'm an artist where I can manage my time. I'm an artist who has been done enormous project. I have one assistant two or three days a week, so I'm working a lot. I did this introduction to tell as well, breakfast is to have the time for me for one hour. For me, it's, I, I prefer to wake up, for example, today very early on, but to have this hour to prepare the day, to think, to read the news, so it's a, it's a reflect, a reflect, a reflective time for me, yes, and feel lucky I manage my own time. That very few people can do, you know, they rushing. Today I was in the, in the underground, I never used the underground before rush hour, and I saw, oh my God, this guy every day, terrible. <laughs> Another lucky thing, I'm 15 minutes to my studio from my house, and I cross Victoria Park every day, so again, I'm walking through Victoria Park for 15 minutes. I don't change my mood, let's say, like that. You know, I don't need to go to the city or take a, you know, public transport. So that is my routine. Then I'm arrived at the studio. I have my coffee, walking around, seeing, you know, see what I, I stopped doing last night because the clay is kind of a live material. So sometimes could be collapsed the piece and you need to repair immediately. Mm -hmm. So more or less, that is, the, that is the routine. Is there any other parts of your routine um, when you're working which are very important for you? Um, I like to get in a state of mind as you're working. I think, like I say, you know, for example, for me, it's a bit complicated to have the, an assistant every day because I need to be by myself. I don't want to have this pressure someone there or, you know, because it's not a factory, you know, it's kind of, I don't do much work because that, but I want to be in charge. And sometimes when the assistant, you know, this walking in Victoria Park and say, oh my God, what do you need to do today? And sometimes you don't, and you start to say, why you don't clean here? <laughs> this kind of thing. So the silence, mm -hmm. the silence is very important for me. And to have this kind of peaceful transition from my house, to the studio. So from that, do you have like a favorite meal or a favorite dish that you like to eat? What I like more, I don't know if a favorite a meal for me is sharing. And it's why I like the, the food. The food is about share with other people and have nice conversations. So if it's warm in winter, I'm going to love that. I'm not a very spicy guy, I don't like chili. But you know, it's, it's much more the momentum and the time to share with others. And I think food is love somehow. Hi everyone, I'm Flynn. And I'm Katie. And we're from Andover College. And today we're at the Roche Court Educational Trust, currently in the artist's house on this rainy day. We are lucky enough to be having a chat with Fernando Casinsimpere. 
He was born in Santiago, Chile. He moved to London in 1997 to continue his love for sculpting, moving over 12 tons of his own mixtures of clay, highlighting his long-standing passion for identity and deep concern for the environment. Fernando works with sculpture, ceramics, painting, stoneware, clay, porcelain, industrial matter waste and mining waste. He is a land artist focusing on natural, human and earthly themes like some other artists exhibiting at Roche Court. Not only do they look inspired by natural forms, the artist process is often very free and natural, although still meticulous. He often uses impressions from his body, like the grip of his hand, to texture and sculpt clay, giving each piece distinct individual texture and shape. I just unveiled my first monumental piece in the city of London, in Tottenham Court Road, outside Tottenham Road Station. And that means, because I've been working to push the clay and the, make the people love the material and I hope you can one day work with clay, well, this piece, because, again, we push the boundaries, it's three meter high pieces, two enormous blocks, in a material that is not present in the city, and it's going to be there forever. So I'm coming from a faraway country, and then somehow, after 25 years, I'm so lucky they recognize, and I make a little mark in the city, what the city I love most. Out of Sync, completed in 2012, by Fernando is a large-scale outdoor installation composed of thousands of clay daffodils. The daffodils are depicted in various tones, with some appearing to be dead. The collection of flowers aims to be invocative of environmental challenges and the effects of climate change, linking to the title Out of Sync. The flowers are also made using mining parts from Chile's copper industry. Like with his work in Back to the Earth, this creates a link with industrial issues surrounding Chile. Does it make it more personal to you? Um, are there any, let me rephrase that. Is there any particular commissions which are more personal to you through via meaning or just the materials which you used? Well, commission, I like commissions because they put you in a position you never thought you are going to be. So the other piece and this involved material and idea and everything was what I did in Somerset House. We did there, you don't remember the out of sync piece, we covered the total courtyard of Somerset House and I did flowers. Very complicated subject. I never thought, you know, like a, you, it, it could be very kitsch very easily, <laughs> let's say, you know. And uh, they invited me for the pre-Olympics and was very lucky to do that. And that was out of sync, was the first time I do in that scale and it is interesting for many things because, you know, there were 10,000 flowers. Why I decided to do flowers? Because I was talking the subject of how the, the planet is work, working today, you know, the, the, the season not coming or coming later, later. So out of sync, we open in April when the daffodils coming in February and that was one, one thing. The other personally is I remember these 10,000 flowers I was doing, treating each of them like one unique piece because I used to work in one piece. And suddenly I saw, oh no, God, it's, it's a meadow, it's many. And that is why as well change or mark strongest this idea of not use so many assistants. I like, I don't never like to be my, the CEO of my company. I want to be an artist very early on and it's 
making is when you find new solutions, no? And I remember do, doing the perforation of the flowers because it can the, become the stem later. And again, in silence, I said, oh no, it's a meadow. And some are dying, some are blossoming, some is... In this moment, I start to perforate in different directions because you work with the total. If I have an assistant and you say to them, today you need to perforate, yeah, and you cannot complain. <laughs> that is it. So give me all that. And then I donated that piece to Chile. So I closed the circle because why need to be installed in the north of Chile? Because in 1991, I took this industrial waste I bring to Britain, 20 years later, go back, this waste, transform in art, transform, uh, transform in flowers. So I think that's so many, 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 many things for, for the world and for my personal history as well, you know. In Chile, we have 100 volcanoes. More than 40 are acti active. So it's really, you know, when they say a new continent, it means that because it's still information in somehow. And for me, I always say the volcanoes is the best ceramicist we can have. And it is the nearest, you know, the material is mixing, the fire makes the, the job, then can it collapse going out of the volcanoes becoming frost, and it's a new material. Ceramic is a bit the same, you know? You, you use kind of the same logic, and it's re reconstitution of the different minerals. And it's why, back to Earth, and it's why this number name, because for me is um, for, from where everything is coming. Everything is coming. What we eat, the minerals we need, the wood we need, you know? And that is where I've been trying on this piece, especially, and when I work in the, in, the, in the landscape, to be kind of coherent for that, I try to don't melt it with, I try to melt it with the landscape, not just put something on, because I think it's the way we need to relate today. We need to work together with the landscape, with the earth, and like I always say, because some people are really kind of black and white, and I think we need to find <laughs> something in between with the respect. For example, Chile is the biggest producer of copper in the world. We cannot stop doing that. We are blessed we have this mineral. But we need to find a way to make the most friendly possible, the most environmentally <laughs> correct is, it is possible. And uh, I think that is a challenge. Fernando doesn't think of himself as an environmentalist, but he is interested in exploring the ideas of responsibility and nature, and how he wants people to make an effort to give a positive contribution to the environment. One way in which he portrays this is by using recycled materials and placing a lot of his work in the natural environment, using organic shapes and textures to highlight this idea. We've done a bit of research and we understand that you have your own ranch back in Chile. Yes. Um, what led you to own that? It's the connection with the earth, and I think the countryside is the most deep root for any country. And I like that, and I like the contrast. This, for example, I just come back from Chile, summer I need to be there because harbour is a hard time in the countryside, you know, you need to see everything. And, uh, and I, I always go, and go to the Andes Mountain with horses and with people, 
And to have this kind of contrast where today we are in Rochecourt, one of the most beautiful places in earth, you know, or an enormous gallery as well in London. But then to be in the countryside with people who live in the mountains and they move thousand animals from one or the other, complete my own life. And it's my, also my inspiration. I always say my inspiration is coming for pre-Columbian art, for the landscape of Chile, and for these 25 years in Britain. So that is what that gives me. Um, do some of your other hobbies and interests influence your art in any way? Well, I think if I can call hobby, the, you know, riding horses, I think yes, because they allowed me to go in silence, because that is one of the beautiful things about horses, is they're in silence, so you can hear the nature. And also you are kind of in a, in a high, where you can see very, very much. In the car you have a deep, kind of here, you need to do like that. Horses have this angle where you can see everything. So help me to follow what I'm looking, you know, kind of inspiration, color, textures, yeah. Aside from that, do you have, what are some of the cultural differences which you've noticed from being both in the UK and in Chile? Oh, well, like I always say the people, you know, I'm very lucky. I was in, in Chile in January, February, plain summer, fabulous. And the people say, oh, wow, so lucky you are there and it's sunny, da, da. but we don't have museums. Mm-hmm. So that is a major difference. The cultural life here, the possibility to go and see everything is what we need for an artist, you know. So that is the main, I think that is the main difference and is the reason why I moved here in somehow. No? Okay. Um, who would you say influences your art the most? I think lately, I must say Britain. They gave me the freedom. Britain gave me the freedom. When you go to the Tate Modern and you go to the, you know, Victorian Albert, just to see that. And it's sad to say that, but to see Felipe Barlow work. Freedom, freedom. You know, when you say, my God, how she mixed. When you come from a small country, when you can do the cultural scene in 10 days, you don't have this freedom. And it's a small country where more or less you know each other. Here you are you're still anonymous if you live, you know, the, my neighborhood don't know me. And if I move, they are not going to. And you see, and you see, that is important. The books, to see exhibition, give you freedom. To put your, the bounder is one of the things we need to be when you are an artist. So, supposed to be impossible to mix uh, stoneware with porcelain and it is possible. You need to find a way to build that, to find a way to, to express your idea with the material. What clay, I think, is one of the few materials really is the possibilities are endless. I really want, at the end of my career, the people, if they study my work, they, they can see I am a guy who have been touch, tried to touch everything related with the material, every subject. Have you made any mistakes when you were a young artist that you have that you think have influenced how you work now? I'm still doing mistakes. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yes, mistake means risk. Risk means alive. So 
if mistake is because the, the piece explodes in the kiln, because you try to do something you supposed to be not possible to do, I don't think it's a mistake if you twist that and you say, well, I'm experiment, I've tried and take a lesson. So for this, because we are talking mistake in, in the art, not in my personal life. <laughs> when that happened, for example, or one piece is coming not exactly kind of what I want, what I normally do, I cover, and I keep it there for a week, 10 days, I cover up and I look again, because the expectation is gone. You know, when you open the game, the expectation is there. Oh, you feel like that? And then is when you just start to be able to talk with these new things. Could be to destroy, or to say, oh yeah, no, it's not the green I was looking, but this green could be very interesting for another piece. It's about that, and it's why for me it's so important to be long time in the studio. Even if you don't do pieces, you have this kind of time to thinking. So you need to, you need to do mistakes. You need to take risk to find something new, let's say. You know, for me, for example, the biggest risk is to come here, to move for a country. I have big recognition in Chile, and I thought, if I believe in that, my work is going to be dead very soon. And it's nothing about me, it's about what I decide. I decide to be an artist, serious artist, I try to push the boundaries, I try to make the people see the clay in different way, and that was the big risk. I move, I move here. And that is what I'm saying, the art live here. In this risk, don't commit suicide <laughs> with every decision, but it's very beautiful to do that, and it's very rewarding. That kind of leads into my question um, with risk taking and that. Um, do you have any advice for younger stu like students as well as younger artists who are either trying to navigate what their niche is in a career or trying to improve their art in any ways? Is there any advice that you have for? Go for it. If you feel, go for it. I think that is the advice. At the beginning, it's not easy, but it's beautiful. Be in the studio do pieces, every extra money you can make, buy materials. Sometimes, I came here in 97. For the gallery who saw my work was Besson Gallery during the time, was the gallery in ceramics, so wow. And she said, Anita Besson said, I'm very interested in your work, but now I need to touch your work because ceramic is tactile, you need to. Means go to the studio and work. I have my first solo show, 2001. Four years making. You can imagine, new country, much more expensive than my country. The opening was a week after, my first opening after four years. A week after September 11, when everything collapsed. No one, it was sold when you think, oh my God, it's some income coming. You look at it. no. But I was so lucky. One, I don't have debt. Second, I have a lot of material. So every time it's coming crisis, because it's eternal, this crisis, if you have material, you are inside the studio, and you are making pieces, you are learning, and you are ready when the thing is coming better, economically speaking. Believe in you, and be serious. I think that is kind of 
the advice I can give. Fernando has always been interested in the use of clay because of its link to pre-Hispanic Chilean art and ceramics. He acknowledges that Mapuche culture, native to Chile, has never been truly embraced by Chile, which sometimes rather focuses on ancient Rome and Greece. His link to Mapuche artwork can be seen in his first exhibition in 1991, which was held in a museum dedicated to pre-Hispanic art. This motivates his usage of clay and his work can be seen as a link to pre-Hispanic art world. Fernando's attention to ceramics is what led him to study at a university in Barcelona, since there's a ceramics tradition there, unlike many other Chilean universities. And his national identity is also present in his addressing of ecological issues, often relating to Chile's mining industry. Have you experienced art block before? And if so, how do you get out of your art block? Like, how do you make yourself create work so often? Hmm. I think is see it a lot of art, see it a lot of exhibition. It helps you for that, and sometimes you solve problem you have how I got to build these pieces or traveling and walking. For me, walk, you know, is very important. I remember being in Italy, for example, walking, very simple trip, I like that. But suddenly I saw how they solved the problem in some walls. And you know, they have marble and they put bricks and a piece of marble. And that is when you are all time thinking. It's not something you can avoid. You are, you are an artist means you are always thinking. You, you, you see, oh, how this, and it's that. It's, it's, for me, that is the way I can have new ideas or, or I can go out and bring the new things to the studio. And has your perspective of your um, artworks changed over time? And do you think your art will change as well over time due to the climate moving so much and so fast? I think so. I think so it's going to change. And that is what I'm saying, you know. I think we need to, to change. And we were talking recently. One of the things gave me and was unexpected when I did my, my exhibition in Chile. After 13 years, they gave me the Total National Museum. It was for the first time. So a big, big issue. 300 pieces, 10,000 people monthly go to the museum. This exhibition brings 78,000 people. So it was everything enormous. But what gave me in, in, in the deepness of that, when I was able to walk through my life, through my work, I've been changed but you can see the trace of mine since very early on. And that gives me, again, more freedom, more confidence to continue experiment. I'm, I, I think I approach the art a bit more near to, um, how is called the Chinese uh, artist, the um, Ai Weiwei. The same subject, using different way to talk about that. That I try, because for me, it's also about to push the boundary of the material. And then you need to experiment. You need to, you know, use in different ways. So we know, like, the world is changing because of climate change. Do you think that climate change in particular will influence your art in the future? And how will your art change because of that? I think for me, what have been the challenge of how I can bring help to bring solution. I don't think art could change the world. We haven't stopped the war <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> but we, we can keep the point. And I think that is enough. You know, we can keep the subject up. The politician and the science have the role to do that. 
we have the role to make the noise. So as I don't think it's going to, I'm going to see the real solution for the planet, and, uh, but I'm ready to continue talking about that. Thank you, Fernando, for the interview, and Cameron, Lucas, and Charlotte, the interviewers. We would also like to give a big thank you to our sponsors, RSA and Art Society Wessex, for funding this project and allowing us this amazing opportunity to meet someone in the creative industry. There has also been a lot of behind-the-scenes work with editing and researching, so thank you to producers Zach James and Dan Coggins, and the researchers Heather, Ariana, George and Ruby. And also a thank you to our lovely lecturers Carly and Rich. Reminder that if you want to see one of Fernando's pieces with your own eyes, come down to Roche Core and experience Back to the Earth and so much more. Thank you for listening and we hope you have a good rest of your day.